Hello and welcome to episode 27 of the Right for Your Life podcast. Uh, once again, Mike is on holiday uh, or doing something very exciting, I'm sure, so he's not with us. But no worry, because I'm joined by Nicola Morgan. Hello, Nicola. Hello. Hello. Hi, Ian. Thanks very much for joining us on the podcast. You are an author and a marvellous blogger. I've followed your blog for some time, Help I Need a Publisher. Fantastic advice for new writers and even mildly experienced ones like me. Um, so, I mean, what would tell us a little bit more about all of those things? So maybe tell us a bit more about your own writing first, but also about, um, about the blog, I guess. Yeah, well, it's it's quite hard to sum up in a nutshell because I wear a whole load of different hats and write a whole load of different things. But um, I, I suppose originally I failed to become a novelist. I tried and failed for 21 years um, to get a novel published. And during that time, I'd had some other things published, some educational materials. I was a teacher before that. Um, but the first novel that I, that I got published which then became kind of the big strand of my career, was a teenage novel, Mondays Are Red. So I am, or was until three years ago, essentially pretty much only um, a teenage writer. I'd written a number of novels and also nonfiction about the teenage brain. But then um, I'd, during that time of being published, I came in touch with so many other writers who'd had all sorts of different journeys towards getting published. And I found myself being asked for advice about getting published. And I was born a teacher. I was born in a school, literally. And I think that I'm just the sort of person that if I think I know something or I think I've, I can help someone, I want, I want to teach them. I want to give advice. And you could think that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's how I am. So three years ago, I started the blog um, Help I Need a Publisher, which was um, designed and still is designed to help people who are serious about becoming writers, any sort of writer, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't matter whether it's literary or genre, children's, adults, nonfiction, fiction, but people who are serious about approaching it the right way, getting a good publisher, doing it successfully and professionally and learning as, as they go. Um, and so that now has become a big strand of what I do. I still write for teenagers and younger children, um, but the writing and speaking about how to write, how to become published, and also how to be a published writer, because now, as you know, as you know it's no longer at the end game to be published you still then have to you have to talk about your book you have to um, go out and, and promote yourself which is a, an aspect of it that many of us including me don't particularly enjoy but we have to do indeed and we might talk about that a little later on in the podcast yeah. um but you you've published a few books um through the blog itself and they're great i've read um i, I read the previous one about synopses which are a nightmare to write um, um, or a synopsis, I suppose, if you're writing more than one at once, that would be even worse. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, you, you're about to uh, publish um, a, a new book called Dear Agent, Write the Letter That Sells Your Book. Yes. And, um, and so this is about writing cover letters to, um, to agents and publishers, I guess. So uh, for those that don't know, could you sort of uh, start by telling us what a cover letter actually is, and I guess why it's so flaming important? Yeah, well, the... The cover letter is the letter or nowadays more often perhaps email, but comes down to the same thing in terms of content, that um, would accompany your submission, the, fir the first approach to an agent or a publisher. Um, and in the UK and in countries that use the UK method, in other words, essentially not the US, that initial submission is a letter 
a synopsis, which is usually about two pages long, and usually the first three chapters of your book, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. Um, so that, that's the submission. In the US, what they more often do is simply have to do the initial approach with just the letter. Um, and they would normally call it a query letter. It's not a covering letter because it stands on its own. It's not accompanying anything. But in fact, um, the US query letter is um, pretty much the same as the covering letter, the cover letter that we would write um, in, in the UK. And the reason that... Um, I decided to write Dear Agent was that really the, the book um, that came from the blog, which you, which you mentioned, the book Right to be Published, is more, I call it a general practitioner. For It tries to cover every stage of the process from the idea that you might have to understanding whether there's a market for it to why publishers and agents make the decisions they do and including then the content of the book what what might be wrong with it structure characterization all of those voice all of those things and the submission process and um rejection and feedback absolutely everything in a general practitioner type of way but obviously that's enough for many people but there are there may be aspects of that process that any writer might want extra information on and it seemed to me that the two aspects of that process that people were wanting much more detail on um, were firstly how to write a synopsis and as you say I, I wrote write a great synopsis um, and then the the covering letter so that that was why I wrote Dear Agent so it goes into really as much detail as is possible, I think, about every aspect of uh, this letter that you will write to try to attract an agent or a publisher. It's called Dear Agent, despite the fact that it is equally applicable to approaching a publisher, because I felt that if I called it Dear Agent and or Publisher, that was not really a very great title. Oh. So it's called Dear Agent. It's not quite as catchy, that's true. No, it's not. <laughs> um, I found writing my synopsis, and to a lesser extent, I think, probably because it's not quite as long, um, my cover letter just excruciating. And I know that some people don't, and they, they're kind of fine with it, but I, I do think there are a lot of writers that do find it quite difficult. And I know I remember thinking that it was... Um, I'd finished, my, I'd finished my novel, or at least I was, I'd finished it to that point. Of course, it went on to change immeasurably, but... Yeah. Um, I'd done that and I kind of thought that's the hard work done and then I came to writing the synopsis then I came to writing the cover letter and I just found it so difficult because I, it just felt like so much pressure because I knew that this was going to be the first thing that this person who was going to you know control the destiny of this book potentially um, that it was going to be the first thing they read and and it just felt so important how, how important is the cover letter really? Um it isn't as important as that. Um, it's, it's certainly the case that the thing that is going to get you a publishing deal or an agent is your book. And no, no one should suggest otherwise. The book is the most important thing. But nowadays in particular, that book has to be sold. In other words, you have to attract readers really quickly. There's massive competition out there. And everyone in the process, agent, editor, uh, publicity department, salespeople, booksellers, right down to the end reader, um, has only a limited amount of time in which to decide whether they're going to buy uh, the book. And it is about buying the book because that's how, that's how you can be published, is if a publisher um, believes that there's a market for your book, that it's going to sell enough. So 
although it is certainly the case that the book is the most important thing, you can do your book a great service by writing a good covering letter. And you can if you make too many mistakes in your covering letter. And I don't just mean typos. I mean um, many of the pitfalls that that people fall into when they're writing their letter. You can... um, put uh, an agent or a publisher off so substantially during that letter that they may not go on to read the uh, first chapters that you've sent with it or the synopsis or whatever. So it's it's a, a very good, very useful shop window. And it also, if you do it right, um, particularly the bit in the letter where you um, describe, ideally in a paragraph, the book, um, that can become a very, very useful tool for everyone in the process, agent, etc., to um, then sell your book on to the next level it's it's a way of interesting it's a way of very quickly one side only um, making whoever's reading it think oh yeah this is this is a book that I'm really interested in that I think I can I think I would enjoy Um, so it it is important but it's not uh, it's not so important that you need to panic about it it's that it's actually not it's not difficult to do it's not difficult to avoid um, those pitfalls as long as you know what they are and it's worth saying that I I I have some of the um, covering letters that I wrote during my years of failing to get a publisher or an agent and I was making a whole load of mistakes it's also worth saying that I have got the letter that got me an agent and I was making mistakes in that as well so you don't have to write a perfect letter but if you do write a perfect letter you're likely to um, find it easier to attract a a, a better range a bigger range of of, um, acceptances instead of rejections yes and you've also uh, I've also given you my letter (laughs) Um, seamlessly linking into that topic well we'll we'll come to that shortly after we've done (laughs) done the first sponsor but basically I I gave you my um, just this morning in fact so in fairness you haven't had too long to actually peruse it I didn't need too long Ian (laughs) (laughs) but I I gave Nicola my um, I do that quite often I speak to the listeners if they're actually in the room I gave Nicola my such and such but I forget that I'm actually talking to you yeah (laughs) Um, I gave you my uh, my letter the one that got me my agent um um this morning to have a look at and we're going to have a i'm going to get your verdict Mm. (laughs) on that uh after we've done our first sponsor but before we get that far um one of the things that people get frustrated by uh when it comes to um uh, agents and publishers these days is kind of the time scales how long these things Mm. how long these things kind of take what's the once you've sent a covering letter to an agent um, or publisher what can you expect in terms of, um, I guess, in terms of timescales, but also in terms of a, a, a response? Well, the first, the first important thing, and this um, applies to any question about how to approach publishers and agents, is that if they have their submission guidelines on their website, then follow those. And those guidelines may include the answer to that question. It may say something like... Um, if you haven't heard from us within eight weeks, consider that a no. Or it may say, we will endeavour to get back to you within four to six weeks. And it may not say anything further than that. So so firstly, go by that. But if it doesn't say anything um, about how, how long you should wait, then the the rule of thumb is that you, you should generally expect to hear something back between four to six weeks. It may, even if that's just to say, thank you, we've received your submission and we're going to be looking at it. You know, nothing further than that. If you've heard nothing um, after 
six or if you can possibly wait eight weeks but if you've heard nothing after six weeks and you're really on tenterhooks or perhaps you're you're wondering what to do next and you're you perhaps you've even had tentative interest from somebody else there's absolutely no problem in just sending them a quick email ideally um, just really politely and briefly saying and it's best if you've got your original email underneath the email that you're sending so that they can very easily work out who it is that's emailing them and just say, you know, I sent you such and such on such and such date. Um, haven't heard anything, just checking to see whether it arrived. Um, one, you know, one wondering how, how much long, how much longer before you might be able to get to it, but, you know, some kind of slightly neater way of saying that, but there's no problem in doing that. They're not ogres. They're not beasts. These people, they really do want to find good writers, good professional writers um, and good books. So there's, there's no way that any reason, agent or um, publisher could object to you sending a polite reminder like that no and speaking of professional writers just like me i managed to bag an agent and so uh um uh if if people can like me can do it with the letter that i sent which i don't think was awful i hope you're not going to say it's absolutely terrible no it's not it's not absolutely terrible but it's a it's a very good example of how You've, you've accidentally, presumably, um, broken quite a few of the crucial rules, but you've still got yourself an agent. And the point is that what you were offering was, I haven't read it yet, but I'm looking forward to, to it, um, a, a, a great book. Um, do you want me to tell you what the cardinal errors, errors were? Well, or are you we'll, about to ask me something else? No, well, we'll go through the cardinal errors, and hopefully that'll be a good way of uh, telling other people what to do and uh, what not to do. But first, I'm going to give everyone a, uh, a short message about our first sponsor. Squarespace is pretty much the very best tool you can possibly get for setting up your own website. It does pretty much everything for you. They sponsored the Right for Your Life podcast several times, and we're very grateful for it. And it's always nice to have a sponsor who you really, really believe in, because it's good. So um, what is Squarespace? Well, it effectively lets you... Uh, go through the entire process really of setting up a website and it's all in one place so they have lots of fantastic templates which I've spoken about before you can have your own domain name you can uh, you can have different types of of websites so you can have a blog or you can have like a portfolio site you can have galleries you can do all kinds of things and it's all very easy to do we've talked about that before really important because a lot of the time it can be quite difficult to set up a website it can certainly be quite daunting because you worry about having to code and that kind of thing. With Squarespace, they have the WYSIWYG interface, which means that you can just move things around um, and uh, put things where you want them without having to know any code whatsoever. But perhaps the uh, the jazziest and most useful thing about uh, Squarespace is it's kind of that that everything's in the same place. Now I know that um, if you if you use other platforms, for example, you might have to have a host, so you might have to go with a hosting company. You may also have a separate uh, company for your domain name, and then you might have some form of um, uh, content management system as well. Then you might have to employ a designer. You might have to get someone to do code work. There's a lot going on basically. But with Squarespace, you basically choose one of the plans. Very cheap, very affordable, very good value. And, um, and once you've done that, you have everything right there, ready and waiting for you. Um, all those things that I just talked about, they're all within the Squarespace platform itself. 
you don't need to worry about anything. So if you're a if you're a um, a layman, as it were, if you're not a coder, if you're not a programmer, and you're not a designer, especially, um, and uh, and you want a website, you can kind of have everything in one place and kind of do it all yourself. Which is important when you're an author and you're a writer because um, you know you don't necessarily have all those skills and you do have to do a lot of these things yourself. So the idea that you can do it all in one go and have everything in one central place, I think, is extremely, extremely valuable. Now, I know what you're thinking. Where would you go to get a service like this? Well, what you need to do is go to squarespace.com forward slash 70 decibels. And there you can start a free trial, which is uh, good. You can try it out before you buy it out, which isn't a phrase, but it should be. Um, and when you want to purchase, what you do is you use the offer code 70 decibels 8 at checkout, and that will get you 10%. That's 10% off your very first order. So that's Squarespace. Highly recommended. You should give it a try as soon as possible. Right, so I guess it's time for me to read my, my very own cover letter, and then you can tell everyone what you, what you think, Nicola, because mm. I suspect you have some um, advice to give. Okay, this is how I started. Dear sir or madam. <laughs> shall we start with the criticism there or shall I carry on? I'll, um, I'll read no, the whole you, thing. No, you read the whole thing, yeah. Yeah, okay. Dear sir or madam, I recently completed Sheffield Hallam's MA writing and attached with this letter the first five pages of my novel, A.S. Frangelica, and a synopsis. I am 28 years old. I wish I still was. I am 28 years old and have lived in and, in and around Sheffield for nine years. By day, I work as a copywriter for the workshop and a war-winning design and e-learning company. In 2006, I received a commendation from the New Writing Partnership for Beers for Benny and Birthdays, a chapter from A.S. for Angelica. In 2005, the same chapter was published in Matter 5, Hallam's flagship literary publication. I went on to edit Matter 6. I've performed my writing across the country, including at the Hay Literature Festival, and I am co-founder of Words Aloud, a successful Sheffield-based open mic night for creative writing. A.S. Frangelica tackles specific themes such as age, illness and obsession. It's a literary novel set in a small northern, northern town surrounded by open-cast coal sites. Driven by a first-person narrator whose wife has had a stroke, it explores our reactions and behaviour when faced with the unthinkable. To ensure events in A.S. Frangelica are plausible and medically accurate, I've worked with uh, a name redacted, <laughs> a senior <laughs> lecturer in speech and language therapy at the University of Sheffield. The subject matter is serious, but there is dark humour throughout, which should help the novel appeal to a wide audience. I hope you enjoy reading it. Yours sincerely, Ian Broom. Right, OK. It's, it's so, quite long as well, isn't it? No, it's, no I don't, I, it's, it's easily fitting on one page, so no, I wouldn't say it's too long. But, um, yes, The Dear Sterile Madam is, um, is very much a no-no because... Um, Publishers and particularly agents, actually, they really do want you to have investigated them and chosen them for a particular reason. You don't have to say what the reason is, but it needs to be an individual, personal um, submission. Now, it may it may be that the letter goes on to be identical for all of the one all of the people that you're contacting, but it needs to feel um, like a personal submission. So, dear sir or madam, is a is a, a turn off. But you know, it's it's not going to stop them reading the rest of the letter. It's just going to be a, a flag to them, and it's going to make you have to work hard to persuade them that you're going to be a great um, addition to their fold. Then, um, I re starting with, uh, I recently completed Sheffield Hallam's MA writing 
bit is is not it's, it's not important enough to start with anyway it's not going to make any difference to whether they um, take you on to say that you've done an, any kind of MA uh, creative writing course and it's also worth pointing out that some agents and publishers might be put off by that mm. um, as it happens Sheffield Hallam is a very very good um, creative writing course but that's not going to make any difference so uh, I definitely wouldn't put it at the beginning if you're going to put it in at all I would put it in um, later uh, you've also said you're attaching the first five pages. They would normally want three chapters. Um, and you have just said my novel, but we would want to know at this uh, this point what genre it was. Or you say later it's a literary mm. novel, but you would have, would normally have said it then. Um, and then the rest of that paragraph, you have the title of your book, and saying that you're attaching the synopsis is that's that's great. So, yes, it's right to start with a, a really brief um one sentence paragraph saying what it is you're attaching but the content of it wasn't quite right then um, normally again this isn't important but the normal thing to do would then be to go straight into describing the book because as I say the book is much more important than you you are important you are you know that you're the creator of your of your book you are an important part of it and of the package but um, the book is the is the more important part so you would then um, ideally describe the book and you only give it three lines um, and we would want a bit more than that and I also think that your description of the book your pitch for the book is um, too abstract Mm. you talk about the themes in it but what we want more is what who it's about you mentioned you say driven by a first person narrator whose wife has had a stroke now that's great but I, I think i would want that at the beginning of the paragraph um and then rather than saying it explores our reactions and behavior when faced with the unthinkable i want to know who the first person narrator is and what his um you know what his his goal his stresses his his problem is um and in, in, in what way he reacts to it. So just needing more about that. And then you do you put in quite a bit of information about yourself and most of it is, is really, really good and relevant. Um, but you have put in, uh, I'm not going to count the lines now, but much more about yourself than the book. And we, as I say, we want more about the book than yourself. Um, and uh, the only, I think the other thing I would say not to do that you did was this is a bit marginal you said at the end um, dark humor throughout which should help the novel appeal to a wide audience agents and particularly agents less so publishers don't tend to like to be told who the novel's going to appeal to if they can decide that for themselves it's kind of verging on telling them what to think Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. Um, but the stuff about the, the stuff that shows that you're a professional writer, that you performed your writing across the country, that's all really good, important stuff because it shows that you're, um, you're you're not a beginner. You're going to be professional about this. You're going to be good at performing, and nowadays that's important as well. So, um, so you know, basically, it's it's not it's not a really bad letter, um, and it can't be because it did get you an agent, although. Are you going to tell us whether you got any rejections from this letter as yes, well? I'll, yes, quite happily. I've told yeah. people before. Yeah, I, I, not as many as mo- most people. I think it no. was about five or six people. I mean, I didn't hear at all from some agents, which it can often happen. Um, yeah. And and most did get back to me, and you know, it's kind of a. It, I think they all got to read the actual, <laughs> the actual manuscript. The first. Uh, 
however many it was. I think I said five pages here because that what was that's what was being asked for. But right. it, it's um, uh, yeah. No, I think that I think that um, it got through to people actually reading the manuscripts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, about about. Four, five, six, something like that. Um, I yeah. guess rejections beforehand. But, I mean, but after that, that, so that was after reading the whole manuscript. I think. I mean, yeah. it's impossible to tell sometimes, but I think so. In, in other words, the the letter, the, any faults there are in the letter, were not responsible for you getting those rejections. Yeah. Yeah, which which kind of goes back to the original point that the letter, yes, it's it is an important way of selling your book, but if your book is good enough then uh, a less than perfect letter is going to get you there. But I would, I, I would always want to make a letter as good as it could be. So if I was an unpublished writer now, I would want as much possible advice, as much as possible advice to um, make sure that I wasn't going to make the mistakes in the letter. Is that fair enough? Absolutely, yes. I yeah. mean, it, it's, it seems so obvious now that, they are, that there are more paragraphs devoted to talking about me than there are the actual book and I remember at the time thinking um I guess in a strange way because I'd done all these things outside of um out, uh, sort of part of the book but also outside of the book I like edit editing literary magazines mm. running spoken word nights I kind of thought well I'm quite confident about those things yeah. because I've done those things and they feel like things that I can yeah I've done those but the, the book I was you know as many writers are so fragile about it I know. Well, that 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 kind of came through, and it, it's it's really interesting you say that because because that's what I was thinking about it. That here is someone who who is more confident about the other things and less confident about his book, and I think um, it, it's a it's a fine line because the agent also doesn't want you to come over as being as thinking your book is just the best thing that's ever been written and just an absolute dead certainty for the Booker Prize. Mm. But so, so it's kind of, it's a, it's a balance. But I think when you're talking, when we're talking about our books, we're not needing to say how good they are anyway. That, you know, that would be an unattractive thing to do, but we are needing to say what they're about and we need to show our passion for what they're about by really making this um the, the usually the main character seem like somebody that we the writer have really not necessarily identified with but created into something uh, really real and whole um and so that the reader will be able to identify with that as well so i think we have to get over our shyness a bit about our book and really try and sell it that doesn't mean that we have to say our book is fantastic because that wouldn't be wouldn't be a good thing to do anyway no well that was uh, fantastic i mean that, uh, that would have been very helpful several years ago for me but hopefully it'll be very helpful for the other people well right, congratulations right for getting the, for getting your um <laughs> getting the book published anyway thank you thank not you. just getting the agent but getting the publishing deal Yes, which was much tougher, as um, people that follow the podcast and uh, website know. It was um, that was a, a much tougher experience yeah. for me, but it, it's different for everyone, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so before uh, before you go, Nicola, I just want to talk to you briefly about something that you wrote on your blog this week, and it's mm. something that I've talked about with Mike on the podcast a little bit. And I don't want to dwell on it too much, but I just thought it's, it's always reassuring when you see someone talking about the same sorts of things in the same kind of ways. Uh, or kinds of way. Um, so it, this was a post called "What I uh, What I Won't Do to Sell More Books," um, and and if I just read you the paragraph, that then uh, he'll probably do the whole post in injustice because everyone should go and hmm. read the post. And I'll include this in the show notes for the podcast episode, okay. uh, so people can read the whole thing. But if I just sort of take this paragraph because it was the one that stuck out. Um, so this is you talking now. <laughs> 
Yes, I think I'm worth much more money than I earn. No, I wouldn't say no to selling more books. Yes, I already do more than I'd like to in terms of marketing. Yes, I think I work as hard and as well as most people on substantial salaries. But I chose to be a writer, and anyone who goes into writing with the direct intention of becoming rich is not my sort of writer or my sort of person. So I've talked on the blog before, on my blog uh, and on the podcast, about how I find it quite frustrating. There seems to be, especially online, and I don't know if this is because um, um, uh, a lot of people who put blogs out like ours are self-publishing and there is much, that, you know, that is, is effectively running their own business. So it does mm. tend to be more financially oriented. Um, mm. I don't know whether that's because I see it more, but I do have this general feeling that authors seem to be either going into it because of the money or uh, money seems to be such a, you know, it's at least in the top two priorities. And and I've always uh, felt like, personally, and I always recommend to others that the first thing is making, is writing the best book or the best short story or the best blog post, whatever it is, writing the best thing that you possibly can, however long it takes, um, and and focusing on that. And then if you then make money from it, Brilliant. And put yourself in a position to make money. Fantastic. Do all the things that you need to do, but don't make it the most important thing. That's kind of what I've always thought. And I just wondered if you could maybe just spend a couple of minutes elaborating on that post and maybe talking about that kind of thing. Yeah, I think I think the post came about probably for two reasons. I, I think I've detected that each time I'm about to have a book out, I start to fear all of the stuff I'm going to have to do. And you know, I don't like standing up and saying, buy my book, buy my book. And so I tend not to do it. Um, and also the other thing I think is that, as you say, there does seem to be an awful lot of stuff now at the moment of about how much money you're earning as a writer and how many books you've sold. Um, and yes, I, I've, I've had to decide I've had to kind of come to a place and and that was how the the blog post started where I have to accept that um, since I'm not prepared to do the jumping up and down and shouting and bombarding everyone on Twitter with please to buy my book um, and therefore since I don't sell very many books I have to be at ease with with that and I have to um, stop feeling that I am desperate to sell more books or earn more money and of course, I would like to. Every you know, most people, if they're honest, would like to earn more money and sell more books. But since I'm not prepared to do the things that I would need to do for that to happen, I have to um, stop carping, stop feeling envious, and just be at ease with with who I am. Um, and I think that nowadays, writers, published writers, people who are published through normal trade publishers, and people who are self-publishing, and, and I'm doing both. We are expected to do so much of the self-promotion that I think we can fall into the trap of doing too much and doing so much that we end up not writing. And we have to keep reminding ourselves, if writing is what we want to do, that if it is, we have to find the time to do it. And that means stopping doing or not doing so much of all of the jumping up and down and um, marketing stuff. You know, I wish that publishers would work better with authors sometimes they do but often they don't um so that we could do it more as a team and the author wasn't having to do um quite really quite so much of it but that's not the case um so sorry i'm 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 waffling now but it's it's a it's a kind of um slightly airy fairy view that i've decided that i just have to be happy with um with happy happy enough with how things are yeah, and I, I, this has been circling around my brain box for a while, partly because 
Um, I've also had a book come out. So, I mean, I've, last Wednesday when the book came out in ebook, and it's part of this Amazon promotion, which I've talked about before mm. on the past podcast last week. So the day it came out, it's currently available for 99p. It will be till mm. the end of August. Um, and the day it came out, I've waited for this for years. I kind of, I was mentally, I was happy with spending the day on Twitter, wherever it would be, just promoting the book. I thought that mm-hmm. was fine. People can, mm. people can let me have this day. Um, and maybe a little bit the day after and already, yeah. already a week later, I'm, I, I feel uncomfortable about putting something mm. on Twitter mm. where everyone's doing this, um, to say, uh, buy my book. It's 99p on, uh, on Kindle for the next month. I'm fine. I don't know why I'm finding it difficult because I'm quite a good self promoter. I quite like talking about myself, <laughs> but I do find it quite difficult. But the, I mean, the, the other, the thing that, um, writers need to understand if they're trying to be published, then the, they can only be published if their book has a market. In other words, if a publisher believes it's going to sell. And I remember once, um, probably about a year ago, I put a message out on Twitter, a question, and I asked um, writers who, who were aiming to be published what their definition of success was, what, what they were looking for, what they were most aiming for. And lots of different um, answers came back. But one struck me in particular. Um, she said, um, I want to see my book in a, in, in a bookshop um, selling uh, how, how many copies I sell is I think she said incidental or, or some, something or, or, or is a bonus that's right and that you know I, I felt like saying no you know if you're trying if you're going for a traditional trade publication you actually have to want your book to sell because otherwise the publisher even if the publisher has decided to publish you is not going to keep publishing you if your book doesn't sell. Mm. So we have to straddle this this really, really uncomfortable place of really needing our book to sell, otherwise we'll be dumped by the publisher, but at the same time feeling that it's somehow dirty for us to um, promote it too much, you know, as, as, as you're feeling on Twitter. And it's... So I think my blog post was trying to unpick my feelings about that. I also wouldn't like a publisher to read my blog post and think, oh, she's not going to do, if, if we take her on uh, for another book, then she's not going to do any promotion because, you know, I, I will. I'll do what I need to do, mm. but I'm not going to shout louder than I feel comfortable with. And as you say, you know, you were comfortable doing it for a day and a bit more than a day, and then you became uncomfortable. I think each writer has to will have a different line about where they where they begin to feel uncomfortable and i think that if you're going to if you're going to be able to kind of live with yourself and feel happy about things you need then to draw when you cross the line or when you're about to cross the line recognize that and stop and accept that that will mean you're not going to sell loads of books but be satisfied with how many you've sold yeah Absolutely, and it's um, it's. I'm learning all the time, and it's. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing where my various lines are. So uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's a great blog post, and I recommend everyone Thank goes you. and reads it. It's uh, it's fantastic. Okay, I think that's done for this podcast. That's great. Uh, Nicola, thank you very tell, much. Uh, thank you for coming on. It's just fantastic information. When, whenever I get a guest on, they always give far more actual useful information than when I just sit rambling to Mike. <laughs> but never mind. Um, Okay, so could you tell people where they can, uh, well, I guess where they can find uh, your blog, but also where they can, um, when and where they can buy Dear Agent? Yes, well, the blog is um, Help I Need a Publisher, 
at blog, uh, dot blogspot.com and um, you will find details and links there but it's not Dear Agent isn't published until Friday so the, I can't, it can't be on Amazon there, there, there aren't any um, there won't be any links until it's actually published so what you will find on my blog is a link to a web page where when the links appear when, when it actually is published on Friday um, all the various links will be so I think that the best destination where you'll find everything you need is um, the blog it's also worth saying that if uh, after you've read Dear Agent and and write a great synopsis if you want to read that as well you see I'm terrible at telling people <laughs> to buy the book just you know, if you were to be so kind as to want to want to read it um, if you read them and there's anything that I haven't answered in them then you can put a question to me as Dear Crabbit and on the blog there's um a page which will show you how to do that and I will then, you, you email me in that way and I will then answer the question um, on the blog and I will uh, do it anonymously or not anonymously, whichever whichever you prefer. So all questions answered free. Marvellous and th- this podcast, uh, we're recording this on uh, Wednesday and it usually goes out Thursday night so there's a chance that when people actually listen to this it may already be out so yes. that's marvellous too and where can we find you on Twitter? Um, at Nicola Morgan. And I'm at Ian Broom, I-A-I-N-B-R-O-O-M-E. And um, I think that's it. Thanks so much, Nicola. Thank you very much. Thank you, and good luck to everybody.